Shishidaji Gopal ki jai, Guru Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai, Guru Bhakta Vrindya ki jai, Bhut Premanandi. Good evening. How's everyone? Cham? Good? You okay? So, any questions tonight? Yes. Um, so, it seems to me that Prabhupada mostly spoke a lot in, I guess, about general topics, growing up and stuff. That's what I've always heard him speaking about. And I was just wondering about where are times that he spoke more on deeper topics, and what did he like to talk about? Mm-hmm. I think that. Um, For the most part, given the breadth of Prabhupada's campaign, that um, that and the extent that he identified with a broad campaign, hmm, given the idea for such, if you will, that came in the heart and mind of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. As I say, was meeting with the modern world right there in Calcutta and having to deal with it and so forth in a way that Vaishnavism, Gaudi Vaishnavism, had not been um, confronted, so to speak, or uh, it, it didn't have to interface with. So it was un- unavoidable. Hmm? And again, sometimes I um, depict him as the first convert because he had a Western bent and education and, and so forth. Um, so as Puja Pachidama just like to say the idea came in Bhakti Vinod. So the idea was for a you know broad campaign for kind of fulfilling this um, prediction of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Pritibiti Acha My name will be heard in every town and village. I've said before that it was thought that that was fulfilled through Birchandra Gosami. Um, the um, stepson of Janava, Adinanda's consort, who w- was uh, widely campaigned throughout Bengal and extended the circle of devotees considerably. So, in every town and village, you know, it depends w- what your frame of reference is. Hmm. By that time, at that time, m- Maybe Columbus just sailed across the ocean for the first time. You don't even know what's over there, right? Um, and, uh, and they were living in a very Puranic um, view, you know, of, of, of cos- co- uh, geographically speaking, cosmography, and so forth. So um, obviously, <clears throat> there was scope for further dissemination as it became apparent in time, and so. Bhaktivinoda, he seemed very, uh, very, very motivated. And this was a time in, in Calcutta where the Hindus at large were just faced with, well, there's a whole other world out there. Hmm? India is like, you know, a world unto itself. And, and the, the British came and invaded, and and so they became acquainted with other, other cultures and so forth. So, uh, and then there were the competing theological perspectives that he was confronted with, Christianity in particular. Hmm? And he reasoned through it and prayed through it and whatnot, and he, and he landed, uh, so to speak, on his feet with uh, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's contribution. Comparatively, he, he, he was undeniable to him that this is a more significant or a contribution that he identified with more and went further hmm? than... Christianity did in terms of a doctrine of divine love and so forth. So um, he wanted to put it on the world stage, right? And so you find him at times in his writing speaking very generously about other traditions, like he would say, well, in Christianity they have the Sakiras, brotherly love. You know, I mean, if you look at Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhi, you say, well, that sounds like Upasadanta. That's not, the, you know, but he's using a term broadly and and um, 
finding, trying to find common ground, hmm, which then opens the, the door, so to speak, and and uh, helped him to get uh, Gaudi Vaishnavism on the stage of world religions, the world religions. Um, so I've talked about that before. We'll go into it in further depth. But this was the the, the spirit that he had, and then he, he passed the mantle, or he gave really the charge of taking that to the next step to Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. So he opened 64 moths throughout India. That's pretty a lot. And then he sent missionaries to London. And then he wanted, he expressed a desire to spend 10 years preaching in America. This was before World War II, so he had some vision that the United States would become a, a prominent leading country in the world. One could, one could argue that. And uh, so with the passing of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, Godimath didn't go as a, as a, in terms of a, a singular mission or in terms of its um, various streams, if you will, that it, that it broke into for different reasons. It didn't. Um, it did circulate widely, more widely in India, and, and, and some of the acharyas opened a number of temples and so forth. But that further. Reach to you know where Bhakti Vinod had written letters to Emerson and Thoreau and Parker and so forth and sent book his book uh, about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to different universities in the United States and so forth. They they weren't able to uh, um, take that to the next step and that fell responsibility and that service fell on on my Gurmarsh. Um so. Um, he was looked at himself as um, having been ordered to conduct a very broad campaign. So that said, when you have a broad campaign, it's harder to have at the same time a deeper campaign. It's a smaller group you can go deeper with, and a, and a broader campaign you have to you know, speak more. More, more general terms. That's pretty much a given. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, uh, he kind of tested the waters in the beginning, and uh, his, his early classes in uh, in New York, these young students were mostly from the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Mm-hmm. As I was saying the other day um, on the beach, he he uh, was, in his own words living on Chaitanya Charitamrita when crossing the ocean um, and it was keeping him alive, the nectar of Chaitanya Charitamrita in the face of seasickness, heart heart attack that he experienced and so forth. And Chaitanya Charitamrita, that was that was his uh, life. Hmm. And then he arrived in the, say, in, the, uh, in the Boston Harbor and went to New York and and so forth. And so he, he, his early classes, there's quite a few of them from Chaitanya Charitamrita, which he himself depicted as the postgraduate, uh, kind of the PhD studies. He looked at the Bhagavad Gita as like undergraduate, Bhagavatam, you know, master's degree or something like that. And Chaitanya Charitamrita, the PhD. Um, Chaitanya Charitamrita, I've described as the kind of the distilled essence of the Srimad Bhagavatam. The Srimad Bhagavatam, I look at it as the theological sequel to the Bhagavad Gita. Hmm. So the Bhagavad Gita, the seeds of the of the flowers and fruits, uh, the, the flowers and fruits of the seeds of the Bhagavad Gita are found in Srimad Bhagavatam. That Bhagavad Gita is what? One hour in the life of Krishna and Arjuna. Hmm. It's even it's, a, it's quality time. <laughs> right? Takes about an hour to speak the Bhagavad Gita, and it's uh, it's very much focused on on fortifying the and spiritualizing the intellect of, uh, of sadhakas and of course awakening faith in them. Um, Prabhupada sometimes referred to the Gita as the civilization of the what did he say? Spiritual intellect and in Bhagavad is the civilization of the soul itself. Hmm. So the idea being, so apply yourself with that faith in Krishna says, Krishna says, in me alone, take shelter of me. 
worship me, become my devotee, fix your mind on me, and then the result is, well, enter into the Bhagavatam, right? The center of which is the tenth canto and the life of Krishna and, and the whole depicting of the, the Leela and the various the feelings, the, the bhavas that that uh, drive it and so forth. Hmm? Calling out to us, you know, come participate in this way. It's very, it's very inviting. Hmm? Um, and, and then you, if you take, but then if you take Chaitanya Charitamrita, well, you you have so many Bhagavatam verses that are cited, or you have verses of the Goswamis from Brihat Bhagavatamrita or Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, some from Gobindali Lamrita and so forth, but they're all taking it from the Bhagavatam and writing their books hmm, to further explain the Bhagavatam, expand it, bring out what's there, and so forth. And so Krishnadas doing doing the same thing, so it's, it's, it's kind of a further illumination on um, the central text of, of the Bhagavatam. Hmm. So you're not going to find uh, much in Chaitanya Charitamrita about... Um, Many of the things that you'll find in the Bhagavatam that people can get, sometimes we see devotees get caught up in some verse or some section as if it's central. That's not going to happen in, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. What the Bhagavatam is about, hmm? well, what is it about? In the 10th canto, Rasa Leela and Krishna realizes that Radha's love her her taste for rasa exceeds his own, and he's in crisis. Hmm? That's what the Bhagavatam's about. Now, who would have known, right? Hmm? And so that and that's what Chaitanya Charitamrita is about. It's about about Krishna has appeared, making a solution to that problem, right? Gorlila and so forth. So you're really getting the distilled essence of Srimad Bhagavatam in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Hmm? Um, and that in the context of the narrative of the life of, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which is extension of Krishna Leela. It's not a different, it's not a Leela of some other avatar. No other avatar is going to be interested in the prima maduri of, of Radha. That's the quality of, only of Krishna's. He's, it's prema maduri, Leela maduri, Venu maduri, and um, um, Rupa, madur, Rupa maduri. So sweet form, Rupa, sweet flute. Mm. That's Krishna. Narayan doesn't. Shringadev doesn't have a flute. Right? And then sweet leelas. Sweet leelas means the Braja leelas, and, and ultimately the the, the, the rasa leela, sweetness of his madhurya rasa, and prema, prema madhurya, sweet prema, sweet form of prema. There's a less sweet form of prema in Baikuntha. but in, so these are the qualities that Krishna has that even Narayan doesn't have. So there's no avatar of of Krishna or Narayan that's going to be interested in the Prema Madhurya of Radha. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was completely interested in that. He must be Krishna. That's the point, right? So the, the extension of Krishna Leela, right? And, um, and 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 this is what Prabhupada uh, began his lecture series from. I mean, I can't say there was there was, there was the first lecture, but if you l- listen back in the early days, um, you'll find uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita lectures. Whereas later he shifted to Bhagavad Gita and uh, and Srimad Bhagavatam. There could have been different reasons for that, but it's possible that, like any thoughtful uh, teacher, he was feeling out the audience. After all, he asked his first students to chant one lakh of rounds a day, 64 rounds a day. So, the movement would have been different if they all started chanting 64 rounds a day and that became the standard. What would it have been like? It takes about eight hours to chant 64 rounds a day. Just look at that one point. Okay? How different the International Society for Krishna Consciousness would have been if they could have done that. They couldn't do it by his own estimation and by their own admission. But if they had, 
eight hours a day. I mean, he 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 had a program for Mongol Arctic. You know, it takes a couple hours in, in the morning, then eight hours. I mean, what happened to book distribution, right? Which became, you know, so so central. It's outreach, outreach, distribution, and so forth. And yes, he you know he was part of a broad campaign. That's a fact. But if they had accepted sixty-four rounds, it would have would have been very, could have been arguably very very different. They couldn't do. That. They said thirty-two. They couldn't do that. So he's feeling out his audience. Sixteen. Okay, they settled with that. They've got to keep him busy the rest of the day, right? And um, and of course, you know, he he wanted uh, the books to be circulated and, and and so forth. But I mean, how that all came about was individual devotees were figuring out ways to try to sell the book somehow or other, um, and um, and we did, you know, with some success and whatnot. Um, but as as I said the other night, I think I brought this up one day. The devotee had asked Prabhupada, "What's the best way to please you?" And you know, he was in a crowd and he wanted a Wanted him to say book distribution. Prabhupada said, "Just try to love Krishna. That's that's all we're doing here. Yeah. That's what this is about." Um, there were there are a number of occasions in in print, in his letters and and conversations, uh, that um, that have been recorded and printed where he talks about boiling the milk. So this, that side of of him was there. Um, as early as, even earlier, but I remember that in a prominent statement was, not, I think, 1975. He said, I think we have enough devotees now. We should just boil the milk. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and of course, after his disappearance from the world, his departure in two years later, 1977, that was a really good time to boil the milk. And that was Sridhar Marsh's emphasis, boil the milk. This is the time to boil the milk. He didn't use that particular analogy, but... To reflect now on what it was, you know, instead of just making new people, especially when old people were going out the door, because they weren't maybe perhaps reflecting enough on what it was, and then being able to represent it and churn it and um, nourish the community of devotees. You can bring in some new people, but then to nourish devotees have been there for a while, you have to be a little more deeply in, involved in it yourself, right? So. So at any rate, there was that that side to Prabhupada, and he seemed to want to bring it to that. In the beginning, he seemed to be testing out, you know, where where the audience is at. I mean, it was like for him going to another planet to come to New York. It was, you, you, I mean, it's just it, it was worth sitting down sometime and comparing, you know, the life in in Navadweep or even in Calcutta. And the cultural setting and so forth, and that of New York in 1965. You know, it's 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 really like going to a different planet. It's it's different now because there's the internet and and whatnot, and the world's more connected, and you can know about. I mean, when he came, he wrote letters back saying, "This is really weird. It's like there's so many lights on at night. It's it's like it never it's never dark, you know." I mean, when you don't even have electricity in some, you know, some villages in my ports, well, you know, like here we went to some places today that that uh, uh, probably didn't have electricity. Some of them, you know, sun goes down, light a lamp, and and there he was in, in New York, and and he said, and everybody has a car. In India at that time, to have a car was like, you know, some wealthy person had a car. And no wealthy person drove his car because he would have a driver. So he said, "In one letter, everybody has a car, and everybody drives their own car." I mean, where am I? You know, this is this is just some simple uh, examples. And he's trying to figure everybody out. And that, in the context of a kind of a revolution going on in the United States, where there's anti anti Vietnam War protests and um, Civil rights demonstrations and uh, and young people have just said, "Hey, you know, who cares if you got a washer and a dryer and a color TV? That doesn't interest us." So, you know, when World War II was won and the United States became everybody had a 
what do they call those houses? Um, a ranch house, you know. You could buy your own house, you know. So many people that, that couldn't previously in the suburbs, you know, were kind of created, so to speak. Um, suburbia. And a washer, a dryer, a vacuum cleaner. And my mother used to wait in soup lines in the, in the 1930s with her, with her mother to try to to get enough to eat, you know, during the Depression and so forth. So the war brought them out of the Depression, and then they prevailed as the leading, became the leading country in the world. The economy was great and so forth, but the kids weren't happy. Hmm. They wanted something else. So it was a weird time, even in the United States, these cross-cultural influences, and he got a foothold amongst the alternative, alternative um, young, young, young people, and he was testing them out. Hmm. And so uh, there's reason to believe, as I'm explaining, that he would have presented um, what he called Krishna consciousness on a deeper level had he felt that those who were coming were able to die to di- to, di- to digest it. Hmm? Um, and then, with the success of the broad campaign, which was considerable, so many people joining, then it became difficult even to do that, even though we talked about boiling the milk and so on and so forth. There were temples, they had an economy based on going out and selling books and bringing new people in. And that was just how, how, how it all worked, how it played out. So you kind of, it's working, you go with it. Hmm? But he would say things like, you know, amongst so many stars, I'm looking for one moon. Hmm? Going through so many people. Just to find one to sit under a tree and tell him everything, something like that it was kind of. He would say things like that at times. Um, so um, that that said, yeah, his, his his lectures tended to be broad. He tended to dismiss questions that even might have given him an opportunity to go more 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 deeply. Um, he was very protective. Of the secrets of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, the the esoteric um, truths of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, in his own experience, had been misrepresented within India, hmm? and Bhaktivinoda Thakur was also reacting to that, and Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati critiquing the tradition itself and innovating um, uh, when. You know, ideas of parki above and so forth could be talked about, voiced, and so forth. But then the people that were talking about them were having parkia, you know, mundane parkia. And so, I mean, I'm just generalizing, but some of that apparently was was uh, was there. And Gaudi Vaishnavism, its its uh, saints were not really. A, a group that was regarded by the Hindu, educated, pious, um, Badrulok, their you know community in Calcutta. Um, so the reason isn't because the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu didn't have an extraordinary theology and philosophy, but the people weren't his character, who were identified with it, was was uh, giving it a bad name. So he was very protective. Seeing that happened in Mayapur, you know, in Vrindavan, at Radhakund. You know. Now I'm going to go to New York and tell them about the erot- transcendental eroticism of Radha and Krishna. And this is in my congregation. Just, just uh, uh, has been advocating free love, which was a term at the time. If you can't. Be with the one you love, love the one you're with. There was a song like that, you know. Hey, you know. so that was quite, quite different. Um, I mean, even when I was growing up, when I was younger, before um, uh, in early high school freshman, you know, you were expected to have to meet the girl's father, you know, and talk to him and stuff. Well, that all changed, you know, in a couple of years. <laughs> And so uh, he was conservative in that regard, and and I think he had had reason to be to be cautious. Such a precious 
and high ideal. He did not want it to be um, misrepresented. So um, he, uh, you know, he stressed certain more, you know, broader, broader, broader themes. At the same time, he gave a full scope of service. Deity worship was a very strong focus of his, and he made a very high standard of that. Iskon today still, as far as I know, keeps a very high standard, and it's very laudable. Um, and then studying the Bhagavatam and uh, and Gita and so forth, he didn't. It's not that he didn't emphasize the books; he did. And but um, even in his commentaries, they, they tend to be tend to be more 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 broad. Um, but um, I would say that. Um, the, in our publication, Oh My Friend, we've collected some pretty interesting um, statements and feelings of Prabhupada that he, that he personally expressed about his own inner life and ideal. Um, and that, with a little help from, from Sridhar Marge, who kind of pushed open a door that was cracked in my open in my own mind, and he kind of said, yeah, open. Open it, you know, kind of um, um, further. So um, those, you know, what's recorded there, what's 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 written there, and 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 then then reflected upon in the text, the implications of it, and so forth, is uh, is really, you know, very much. About the private inner life, property. He could have gone into greater detail. He didn't go into greater detail. But that, that, that. In other words, if you want to look at different uh, charges and what they have said about their inner life personally, there's, there's, uh, there's not a lot that you can collect there. Of course, Prabhupada's inner life is is characteristically a little bit, you know, different. It's not Madhurya Rasa, which is kind of the main flow. It is another current within Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So, but um, um, uh, he did say those things for the for, in a, and it depends who's listening, right? If you're listening, they're there, and and you, and you, so it, it is there. That's what I'm saying. You know, it, it's a broad campaign. But if you're really paying attention, you find this here, you find that there, you can put it, put it together. So, if you're listening, if a student is listening, they could catch everything, get the hint, go to this book for that. Hmm, go there. This is saying this. That's. So I think that in that sense, it's it's there. Hmm. Um, um, but his focus was, for good reasons, as I'm explaining, t- tended to be more more broad. Does that help? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I... Uh, to be honest with you, I was always looking for... Like, you know, to say something about Krishna. Because he'd get... a lot. Sometimes in his lectures also, uh, there would be points where he would stop talking. Hmm. Start, that's another side of this. Um... He was a little closed-lipped about like Harikata, Lilakata. Hmm? But the times in which I um, remember him speaking from the podium, from the from the Vyasasan, and the lecture lent lend itself or drifted in the direction of Lilakata, he would he would quiet him his own self down, monitor himself, and at times. Even faint, hmm? he could stop talking. We fan him, hmm? and then say, "All right, then stop." So, um, just what it meant to him. Hmm? If he, if he, if, I think there was there was some concern on his part. If I start talking about this too much. I mean, it come out <laughs> and continue the campaign. You could make an argument um, like that. Certainly, we find in in, in Sukadev's Bhagavatam narrative times at which it, the, the 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 description coming from his own mouth 
is so extraordinary and compelling that he that he that he has to stop. He he, he faints. I mean, I've told before that Gentleman Jai, the son, was a son, would have been the son of Parikshit, hmm? arranged for Kirtan, Murdunga, Kartal, and so forth, because he anticipated Sukadev might pass out at certain times, and we have to keep this thing going. We only got seven seven days here, you know, to get it all out. So um, there are some nice nice sections in the Bhagavatam where, according to the commentators. Uh, and so today here is has gone into a trance. So I think that, um, in, at least in my personal experience, there were definitely occasions in which um, Prabhupada had me on the edge of the seat about he's going to go into this Krishna Leela here, and then he he restrained restrained himself. And so that's another side of in Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati talk apparently. Was was like this as well. There are stories about you could go to Radhakun and someone would give long lectures on Rasalila and all the details and, and so on and so forth. And and uh, and Bhaktisiddhanta go there and talk about Upadeshamrita instead of you know Ras Panchajai, the five chapters on on Rasalila, and to try to bring everybody down to earth. And then if if the subject of Radha came up, then he would he'd have to pause and. Uh, so, he, his theme was such regard for that, you know, that it's, that's very high. And and then here's an emphasis, how to go there. You'd ask a question about Krishna Leela, and Prabhupada said, well, go there and find out. I'm giving, showing you the way to go there. Yeah. Which is a really good answer, in one sense. And so, this, this is a, was also an emphasis of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. It was a little anti-intellectual, in a sense, or I don't mean, I don't mean that... Um, in the way it might sound, but it just that that to, to kind of emphasize that just by understanding intellectually, you're not going there. That, that's not enough. The way is is a transrational method. Kirtan, hmm? chanting, service, and these truths will come hmm? within you. Hmm? Um, so that that was very much, you know, the emphasis of his of his guru Maharaj, So that then you can find people who knew the knew more details of the higher aspects of the philosophy, but they but they weren't engaged like the the men and women of Gaudiamat. Hmm? As Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasvatthakur said, I'm prepared to shed every drop of blood, you know, for. In my body for the spreading of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission, and our party bar, Bhaktivinoda Parva, we we did it. That's what that's what we do. <laughs> so it's an interesting contribution. All these different party bars are different; they have their specialities. This happens to be one of the specialities. Now, I, what I do is I try to like bring it into some some balance, so, so to speak. Right? I try to take the both sides and put them together a little bit going forward. Now that there's more exposure to the tradition and and other books that have been published and so on and so forth, then you kind of have to talk about them. But um, so you know these are some of the dynamics and background and so forth that that um, are part of the way he uh, conducted himself. What else? Yes. You would imagine, or you probably know, that in, if Prabhupada started with the standard of 64 rounds, it's because that was probably the standard in the Godian month. And yet, they were coming up with magazines and they had 64 months. So was it only, was it the standard for those who didn't have important services that, you know, after they cooked, they had the whole day to chat 64 rounds, or actually everybody could chat 64 rounds and do it? Um, well, I think that um, that there was a there was a, 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 a sector and a, a smaller sector of devotees who were involved in the publishing, mm-hmm. um, and the majority of devotees were maintaining moths and 
you know, maybe they were holding programs and so forth. But, um, you know, I think he sent a couple of brahmacharis to the train station and Nadia Prakash, Nadia Prakash, you know, like like a newspaper trying to sell it. But uh, but I but I, but I I I I don't think as many devotees were involved in. I mean, everybody in Iskon was like going out and selling books and. You know, he did open 64 moths, so... Um, but, Shidamar said the policy was mala upavasna, so don't let your don't let your mala starve, which he kind of translated at least four rounds if you've got a lot of service. If you don't, you do 64 rounds. So, there was plenty of times where devotees had opportunity to chant 64 rounds, and I met many devotees in Gaudiya Moth when we were at Rupanuga Bhajan Ashram. Hmm. Did you spend time there, Rupanuga Bhajan Ashram? Yeah. Then um, they just wanted to sit and chant. I tried to keep them busy. And they, wanted, they wanted to sit and chant. Whatever. So some of them, they would be stationed at a temple. You know, that's what they would do, take care of the deities. How, you know, I don't know. He opened 64 months. I don't know how many of them were big, thriving. I know there was one in Madras, Kurukshetra, you know, Calcutta. Um, Bombay, I guess, maybe Delhi, but I don't, I don't know where all the 64 of them were, what what, what constituted a moth, per se. Hmm. It could have just been a couple of devotees there. I'm not sure. Um, but um, I maintain ISKCON would have been very different if they were chanting 64 rounds a day. <laughs> So you know he, he he responded to the audience and came up with things that worked and the things that worked well if it's working don't you know don't try to fix it right you know the problem with over time is they worked how much they're working you know another time the circumstances another thing and then unfortunately they may not be working that well but they may be seen as this is the only way to do it. And then your details become principles, and that's problematic. And we, we, we've seen that. So that's another reason why I've kind of I shake things up at times and do things different and, and whatnot, just to emphasize that point. Because I, I, I see that many devotees have been crippled by misidentifying details with principles, and 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 details that aren't aren't functioning in the way. That they were at the time when they were working, so to speak, and you you want it to work. So, however, if you can't get in the front door, you know, going through the back door, going through the chimney, somehow I got to get in, going through the basement, whatever. What else? Yes. Um, this is kind of roughly formulated, but I. In regards to what you were talking about earlier, um, like the higher stuff that um, you know, Prabhupada wouldn't say, I think like devotees in the early stages, like myself, like they have an urge, like oh, you want to hear that, like you know, but we're not ready to. So I'm just guessing, like, what's the best way for us to think about that stuff? Should we just pray that oh, I want someday to get there, something like have reverence for it, or I guess it's not quite clear the question, but yeah, you know, how should we? We have the desire to. Well, I want to know that stuff, but we're not ready. You know? Well, you want to. You, 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 I think you have to have a clear idea of the ideal and an aspiration to attain it, hmm? and then you have to focus on what the next steps are to do that. Hmm? Is if you have your ideal and your desire to attain it, and so forth, but you're not taking the necessary steps. To do it, I often give the example. You want to fly to India? Well, okay, good. You know, um, do you have a passport? Do you have any money? You know, do you have a ticket? Come back when you have those things and a visa, and then then we can then we can look seriously. You know, at the, you can look at the brochure about it, but I mean, if it doesn't compel you to Earn some money. I don't want to earn money. I want to go to India. You know, you know that doesn't make sense, right? If they're enough money to buy the ticket, so um, you know, the, 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 when you have all those things in place, then well, you're on the plane and it's Air India, 
hey, it's kind of like they're serving Indian food. And I'm like part of, almost there, you know. Uh, and the uh, flight attendants wearing a, wearing, a, wearing a sari or something. It used to be like that for Air India. I don't, I don't know. I've flown Air India in a long time, but um, but you have to focus on the next next step and. Um, And I think in our, you know, in our sangha, we hear enough about the ideals. Mm-hmm. Um, to whet your appetite, if and more. Mm-hmm. What else? It is baffling to think, though, of many of your early God brothers that were among the most subversive elements of society. They weren't intellectuals, they were weren't the cream of academia, but they were ready to question the whole world and think outside the box. And then my problem came with a paradigm there was no no material alternative. It was like a totally different thing and they were open because they were so open minded and questioning everything, they accepted it and got in that with my purpose. Charisma presentation and now, in one sense, become the Prabhupada's presentation. He may have spoken in a certain way because he was reading them, or he was trying to be cautious. But the fact of the matter is that the climate now is so, there, there are so many literalists, and so many, like you said, that never grew out of a certain mentality. And people like you came, but you also got in touch with uh, Sridhar Not to take anything away from Prabhupada, but it makes me think, I mean, other people like uh, Maharshi or other, I don't know, the preaching of everybody, they were thinking, although they were preaching some kind of pseudo Mayavad, they were using a certain vernacular and vocabulary uh, that sounded more like think outside the box. And Prabhupada was making comments in his reports saying that this is a movement for the most uh, intelligent people, and you find lines. But the bulk of this preaching is very family, in a way. The baton is the same of the one that many have adopted. Well, one of the things that was happening in the in the time of Prabhupada's preaching is that there were other spiritual um, teachers from India coming from different traditions, uh, yoga traditions, and, and and so on and so forth. So he was not the only. A kind of missionary from India, teaching Hinduism and mysticism and, and so forth. Um, but um, to be honest with you, a lot of it seemed very um, um, I want to say intangible. He tended to probably tend to speak about like this is how you do it. Put your hands on it like this. Get a grip on it. And do it. Hmm? Like I used to ask, you know, my question is, how do you meditate? And people say, you know, you just meditate, you know. And Prabhupada said, you sit down, you chant on beads, you know. It's like, well, okay, you know. So he was very, um, had a very pragmatic approach, and it, when it, when it seems you know, not less broad intellectually in, in some respects and open mind. Like, see, like, take me, I'm very broad and open minded. But it has its downside. People will be attracted to me like that. Hmm? But it doesn't it doesn't necessarily it's, it's not necessarily the most compelling type of a presentation to get people to practice. Hmm? If you understand what people are like, most people are need a herd bull to tell them what to do. If somebody's strong enough to tell them what to do, do it like this, do it like and then they just do it. For whatever, and then they get something from it. You know. So, uh, Prabhupada was 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 doing that, and it was very effective at getting people to practice. Now, you know, his idea was that once they practice, they'll broaden out. You know, they give the example of the tree, right? You plant the seed, you put a, a barrier around it so deer won't come and eat it, and then in time it'll overflow itself and it's its, its own fence and and, and so on. Hmm. Um, but unfortunately, that didn't happen to. Him. A lot of students, but I think he, you know he was empowered to preach in a certain way 
that um, was did kind of put it in the box rather than out of the box. Like you get, what was that one famous Buddhist guy was was who had the famous book or talk spiritual materialism, you know. Your sadhana is your materialism, you know. Your own your own practice is is the last snare of Maya, you know. Like, what do you do with that, you know? Yeah, you know. There, see, you think you're a good practice. That's that's Maya too, you know. You know, your Rajneesh type of stuff. It's just like you know, like what do you do with that stuff, you know? I'm not a teacher. I don't teach anything. I'm going to more, but I mean, it's just like. There's a lot of that kind of, to be honest with you, it's kind of like a lot of mumbo-jumbo hmm? that that keeps some warm bodies around. But but Iskand was known for like heavy practice, heavy commitment, hard work, hmm? um, you know, to the extreme. And people got some experience from it. And, and, and you know, it was actually pretty good. But... Um, quite good. I, I I was quite happy there, but when Prabhupada left, well, then things changed too. So, what would it have been like if he if he had stayed longer, or what would it have been like if the succession went on as it should have? For example, with Sridhar Maharaj becoming the Siksha Guru of the gurus who were gurus, and the whole movement accepting him as the Siksha Guru. And that's what should have happened. That was what was happening. Hmm? That was what was happening, period. And that wasn't recognized by the governing commission. And so it was outlawed. Hmm? But what would it have been been like? It was a, you know, it's kind of like hand the ball here, you know. And Chidamash was so much like, you know, trying to boil the milk, if you will. Hmm? Not at the cost of outreach or anything like that, but, um, you know, he told me to do relief work, so to speak to devotees who were becoming disenchanted and losing their enthusiasm, and, and the mission wasn't uh, wasn't nourishing them, and so forth and so on. And so many of you came to me through that mission that wasn't nourishing them. So, um, the you know, Prabhupada is in the Guru Parampara, so you, you need, you know, the Parampara. So he was install, giving a certain installation, installment, I should say, at the time, and his disciples were quite alive and vital, and it, it wasn't like like you see now. Hmm? They maybe didn't know certain things, but they were open to knowing, hmm? learning, progressing, and so forth. And then there was this shift that we know everything, you know, we don't need to hear anymore. It was this misrepresentation in the name of successors of Prabhupada. They recoiled back and, you know, only read his books, no other books, and, you know. And it was a very um, the wrong response. They had responded properly to Sridhar Maharaj. Wouldn't be very, and that's Guru Parampara. So, as Sridhar Maharaj said, "I fear for the future of Iskon. It has become a, it will become a shadow sampradaya." So that's what happened. It became a shadow sampradaya. In and around it, the Ritvik, you know, is 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 is, and his spoken word. Dismissed, but but covertly, I'm just initiating on behalf of Prabhupada, or the JBC is the real guru. Kind of ideas that are very uh, different from what you'll find in in the books, Prabhupada's books included, and so forth. So it's had problems, let's say, with the spiritual succession, disciple hmm? succession. And as much as there's problems with the civic succession, well, then it can veer towards. I mean, what he was concerned about that they were making Vaishnavaparad. He wasn't even referring to himself, he was referring to God brothers who were being offended. I shouldn't go into all this, but, but at any rate, 
if they had taken his inspiration and so forth and very different. See what it I was to the advantage. So I, I think you have to look at Prabhupada's presentation as an installment at time. You know, by the time he, he left from the world his you know, his oldest disciples were probably in their mid thirties. I think I was twenty nine. That's pretty young still. Thirty-three, thirty-five. <laughs> Still pretty young. Be sure you can be sure of that. Um, a lot to learn. Hmm. So if they had had ongoing spiritual guidance that they that they had faith in, the kind of faith they had in Prabhupada, which they could have had in Sri much if they would have uh, not been uh, many of them intimidated to think otherwise, or you know. Even their own leadership was was criticizing him un, un, uh, unjustly and so forth. I mean, he was so warm and spiritually deep and rich and um, so concerned for the wanting to see what Prabhupada had, had put in motion to keep it going in a progressive way and so forth. He had that, had that kind of wisdom, affection to, to guide for a few more years in an interim period where the disciples themselves had probably became really qualified to step into his shoes on, on, on a level that would solidify the faith of the students and continue with the tradition and the teaching in a dynamic way. I mean, that's very valuable. But then to, so you can understand to go against it. Well, it has its consequences. So what what Prabhupada did worked in his time. But if you say, well, what he did then was everything, right? And then you keep it like that, and then you get you know, stuck in something he said here at this time, and you don't question the why of it, and maybe there isn't another way to think about it that's also correct that would be more appropriate in this time and circumstance, and it would fulfill the uh, the purpose of what he was saying at that time, and you know there's 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 a fear to do that, so to speak, or an inability, in some respects, in some some sectors to to do that. And that's what's required. So you know we we've joined a guru parampara, so one after another. You can't cut that off. Chila Prabhupada ki jai, Sisi Dauji Gopal ki jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki jai, Gaur Premanandi.